Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, last week we talked about the idea of praying with your spirit, being connected with Him, praying in an unknown tongue, praying in tongues, if I can say it. Sometimes I try not to use particular phrases because denominational people that are trying to creep out a little bit here, we're going to pray in tongues. It's like, oh my, where's the back door? Let's get out of here. So if if you have, if you are born again, You have the Spirit of God in full. You lack nothing. You're not waiting for another time to get the Spirit, but you might not be walking under the influence of the Spirit, otherwise known as being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is when that which is within you comes upon you to empower you and strengthen you. There's a lot of Christians who are not walking filled with the Spirit or under the influence of the Spirit. I want you to. I want you to utilize every gift and capacity that God wants to work through you. And praying with your spirit, as Paul calls it, is one of those. So a little bit of a review review from last week, but I wanted to start with this idea. This is how we're going to end today and end this whole series is is our ministry toward people in the power of the spirit. And this this phrase just came up to me. So the world needs to see a church that is confident in Christ, but ministers humbly in love rather than condemnation. Amen. Amen. That, that would be the goal because, you know, there, there, there are serious issues that used to be classified as mental health disorders that are being celebrated as science today. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of perversions of the image of Christ, the image of God within us, are being celebrated and encouraged and you're hearing some of the horror stories of people that are fast-tracked through those type, types of processes that are like, well, I don't, I'm not so sure that now I'm feeling the other way. And it's like it's all based on emotion and, and carnality and a lack of honoring the image of God in humanity. And it is a godless act. It is a godless, you know, Im- like attack on the planet, you could say. But largely because I think the church has done a poor job of presenting the gospel, representing who God actually is. And I'm not saying that the world would just be duckies and rainbows if the church acts right. That's not what I'm saying because there are still people that are going to make choices. But I think in large part, if the church can move toward people the way God moves toward people in love, having his standards in place, not compromising... (laughs) but not leading with condemnation, leading with, look, I, I understand. You know, I, I have had struggles. I have, you know, questioned my existence and questioned my identity and who am I. And, and I get that I may not identify with your particular expression of what that looks like, but I want, to, want you to know that even though you might disagree, God is available to help you, and he's not judging you. He already judged Christ for anything that's a not 
in line with his standards, so it's free to go to him. And I just want to recommend that you give him a try. You know, whatever it looks like in your situation, not, well, this is the truth of the word, you sinner! Bullhorn guy. Sinner! I love the bullhorn guy. Bullhorn guy came to church here a few times, at least one of them. Good guy. Big heart for people. Loves Jesus, but leading with the finger of condemnation rather than the expression of love in Christ. And, and so a little bit of review of what we talked about last week, but to set up the idea of preparing our own hearts to be ministered, to, to, to be used to minister to the world humbly and in love, bringing the truth. Because it's the gospel that transforms people. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not your sternness or your tough love or your adherence to a rigid truth. It's the power of the gospel. And, and a lot of Christians haven't heard the good. You'd be surprised. We've been doing this church thing here for a while, and I don't know how many times people have come up to me and they're like, I've been in church my whole life and I've never heard the gospel this way. Well, it's not because we have it figured out, but we just are going to commit to the perspective of presenting the finished work of Christ. What did he do in that death, burial, and resurrection? What does that mean for you? And now how do you live under the power of that? So the gift of praying with your spirit prepares your heart and mind to be used in ministry in this capacity. So a little bit of review. We asked the question, I asked the question, did you know that God is praying for you? Like, so think about that for just a minute. Let me, let me read you these passages and then we'll dream about it in just a minute. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, Hebrews is all about presenting Christ as the high priest of the new covenant this eternal covenant that is secure in His blood. He is a perfect high priest that does not have to continually make sacrifices for your sin and for His sin because He made one sacrifice for all sin, and that is Himself, and He is sufficient. He is the sufficient sacrifice for your sin and the sin of the world. It's a legal thing. But then there's a relational aspect of it that brings you into a family also. So... The intercession that Christ is doing on your behalf is not before God continually making sacrifice for your sin. He made one sacrifice for your sin, for all sin, for all time. So the intercession that Christ is making before the Father is not, God, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, over and 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 over, because that's how many times he'd have to do it. But he's saying... Because they're forgiven in me, remind them of who they are. Give them the power and the grace to live within what I've given them. How do I know what it is? Let's keep going. Say, keep going. Okay, well, let's do that. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And what do you do when you're weak? Do you go to Him for help? Or do you hide in your shame and wait until your emotional state passes and you feel like you can go to Him and then you go to Him? You ever been there? So, well, I don't dare go to him when I'm feeling this guilty. That's exactly when you need to. So that your conscience becomes cleansed. It's not that, it's not that you're going to go to him and confess your sin and he says, ah, it's okay. He would never say that. He would say, yeah, it's killing you. Stop it. 
I'm not seeking it. Otherwise, it's going to kill you, which is not that bad because you get up here and get to spend time with me forever. He said, sin's not that bad. No. That was somebody's online thinking that. They're, they're just waiting. He's waiting to help you in your weakness. So, uh, for we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And most theologians agree when you look into this, it is talking about praying in a way that's unknown to you. Uh, and he who searches our hearts, that's what's happening when you're praying with your spirit. You're yielding yourself to God. He's working in there to remove all that stuff that you've let creep back in there. You know, it's not that you, your holiness progresses or decreases. It's that your awareness or the effects in your heart of your behavior is what changes. And so he just reminds you that you're forgiven so that your conscience is cleansed and you can live confidently in his grace rather than walking around with guilt and shame. Under the law, you would be, you would need to go present an offering, a sin offering for it. But he is that once and for all offering. So, and he who searches our hearts, who knows the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You, when you pray with your spirit, you are allowing God to pray through you, for you, according to his will. And most of you know that, but do we utilize that gift? And then he said it this way. This is Paul, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Say, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I'll pray with my spirit and I'll pray with my understanding. Pretty logical. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Pray with your spirit and with your understanding. And I, and I said this last week because sometimes people are like, well, I don't, you guys don't really do the gifts. And I'm like... I'm kind of like Paul when we gather. I'd rather preach 10,000 words than speak five words in an unknown tongue because it's beneficial to talk in a way that you understand it. But if the Spirit moves in such a way where somebody has a tongue, we will experience, you know, expect the interpretation as well. We're not opposed to that. We're just not trying to force that. Everybody okay with that? You know, because sometimes... Anyway, let me keep going. So... There was a study done by a doctor who is not even a Christian, Dr. Andrew Newberg out of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. He did, a, he did brain imaging scans on people while they were praying in tongues, Christians specifically when they were praying with their spirit. And, the, and he came to some conclusions as a result of the brain imaging scans that they performed. So in other words, you put electrodes up there when you do things, your brain will respond and it will let you know which part of the brain is being activated and they know now this part of the brain controls this. So the part of your brain, the frontal lobe that controls speech would go more dormant and different parts of your brain would be more active when these people were praying in tongues, meaning they didn't know what they were saying, which testifies of scripture. Your understanding, that part of your brain that understands speech is unfruitful. But something is happening. And so what's happening, and 
we have the spiritual understanding from Scripture, but then we have scientific understanding from brain mapping and brain imaging, which I think is interesting. Not that we're looking to try to prove it, but it's pretty cool when science proves thousands of year old passages of Scripture, isn't it? So th this was his conclusion. Uh, these findings could be interpreted as the subject's sense of being. Uh, uh, sorry, this, these findings could be interpreted as the subject's sense of self being taken over by something else. Now, if you got a Pentecostal background, you're like, I knew it. God controls us. I give, I lose all control. And some of y'all that are waiting to use the gift, don't use this for fuel. Because it's not God taking you over and making you do it. It's a voluntary act of faith that is a collaborative effort with the Spirit. When it first happened it, uh, in Acts, it says, they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they, the apostles, were doing the speaking, but the Spirit gave the utterance. In other words, the annunciation is the word utterance, is annunciation or the syllables. And so you end up kind of finding your own language, if you want to call it that. But so the mind doesn't know what's happening, doesn't know what it's saying, but something is happening. And the something that's happening is reflected in your brain imaging that has to do with your sense of self. So when you're praying with your spirit, your physiology is primed so that your sense of self is, is impressionable. Are you with me? Let's keep reading. So we believe this is the first scientific imaging study evaluating changes in cerebral activity, looking at what actually happens to the brain when someone is speaking in tongues. This study also showed a number of other changes in the brain, including those areas involved in emotions and establishing sense of self. When they prayed in tongues, their emotion, their, the part of their brain that is affected by emotion or controls emotion is active and the part that controls your sense of self or has to do with your sense of self. When you're praying with your spirit, what did he say? That when It's for, the, for your edification, for your building up, to lift you up, you know? And, and I'm telling you, this is a secret weapon against temptation. It's a secret weapon against depression. It's a secret weapon against negative, behavior, negative thought, which is what drives sin habits. Where you are in your mind will take you into whatever behaviors come after that, right? When you're sitting, I mean, think about that. How many, how many of you, after this, and I, I know this is a, a big review, but I just, we got to the end of it last week and we kind of rushed it, but I wanted, so I wanted to kind of reinforce it again. But how many of you use this gift a little bit more this week after, after hearing that message? Yeah, I, I, would, I would encourage you, test it out. You know, and so a little bit of instruction for those of you that don't do it or you're questioning if it gets real or not and people watching online. You know, so if you're praying, if you're utilizing the gift, don't sit there and reason in your brain if it's real. Like, don't, don't allow your brain to start to have these intellectual Or it's like you start thinking about, you know, your budget and what's going on with your kids and what the doctor said. Like, like those are the thoughts in your brain as you're doing it. I'm not saying that that invalidates it. I'm just saying allow something deeper to happen within you. So, you know, when I teach people biblical meditation, I, I kind of get you to think from here. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like if you start thinking, you can think up here. And even you ever prayed? And when you're praying, 
You're, like, you're hearing all these words, and you feel like your brain is ahead of your mouth, and you're just saying these words. And then you stop, and you kind of settle in for a moment, and then there's a sense of peace, and then you pray, and then you feel like you're connected to the Spirit rather than just all these words running out of your mouth. Yeah. It's the same thing with praying with your spirit, you know. Don't let your head run the show. Settle down and think from here. Think from your heart. Think from that place where the Spirit of God is within you. Because your understanding is going to be unfruitful. But you might receive revelation where understanding then comes. You know, you can expect that. But pray with your spirit. And this is what's happening. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The brain imaging shows that the part of your brain that has to do with the sense of self and identity is active, and Scripture tells us that the Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you are His child. So you're praying in the Spirit, and you're, you're, aligned, you're, you're preparing, you're priming your physiology to be affected in the area of your identity. And then the Spirit of God is standing there bearing witness with your spirit that you are His child. And if you're a child, then you're an heir. So it's not just you're a child, you're an heir. That comes with benefits. And not just an heir, but a co-heir with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. Now the suffering that we do with Him might be the persecution of faith. Not all the stuff that Christianity sometimes attributes, like, like God, God is not interested in all suffering, disease, depression, divorce, loss of life too soon. That's not the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. If you go through contextually, he's talking about persecution of the faith. That, that's the only kind of suffering that God has his hand in. And that's not necessarily even ordained that you suffer but that you remain faithful in your calling and you might experience suffering and persecution as you follow him. Are you with me? But what's happening is he's reminding you, okay, so the Spirit of God is bearing what you're a child, not just a child, but you're an heir, not just an heir. Like you're not, gonna, you're not sitting there when God declared the tenets of his will and he said, you get the car, you get $10 million. That's not what happened. You get it all, you get it all. Jesus, here is your inheritance. Everybody else in him, you get the same thing. You're a co-heir, a joint heir with him. What? I mean, you could just sit and meditate. So, so what is it that he inherited? A name above all names? You know, authority over every power that exists, a seat next to the Father in heaven, eternal life, a quality of life that, is, that mirrors the spirit of the living God. Those are the things that you inherited. Also, out of that place, you minister out of that identity. We want to minister out of the awareness of who we are in Him. Not in the confidence of our own flesh, not in the confidence of our own capacities, not questioning what God wants for people, 
but out of our identity. In other words, I'm a child of God. I'm not trying to do anything to make God happy with my behavior. I'm not serving Him, and life has to be difficult and challenging as if I'm a martyr, and the more that I suffer, the more holy that I am, and the more pleased God is pleased with me, and how great of a Christian I am. You ever thought that way or know a Christian that thinks that way? It's self-righteous. <laughs> Are you offended yet? <laughs> I think you understand what I'm saying. I hope that you do. I'm not taken away from people that have legitimately experienced persecution. Most of us never will. I like honestly, somebody might say something bad on Facebook or send us a letter but the kind of persecution that, you know, people that are in nations that were hostile to Christianity. You know, can you imagine going your entire life with never even having touched a Bible and Christianity is illegal and they're burning your homes if you do have a meeting? We, we don't know what that's like. We can read about it and pray for those people, but you, we don't really know what that's like. And, and I'm not suggesting that we pray that we would experience those kinds of things. But we want to be able to pray and minister to others out of the power of who He is in us, not trying to prove something in our own strength. So, recap, when you pray with your spirit, your physiology is, physi, physiology is being rewired to believe. Rewired to believe that you are a new creature in Christ and a child of God who has inherited all things and when you know you are in Christ, you will be confident to minister in His power. The Holy Spirit ministers life through us. And this is the point of how I want to end today, is as you move in ministry toward others, we're not fighting an uphill battle. It might feel that way, but what we actually are doing is we're stepping out of heaven, we're stepping out of our identity in Christ, we're stepping out of the throne room of God as ambassadors, as representatives of God into this earth to tell people, let me tell you how good it is at home with dad. Let me tell you what the high priest of this realm and this eternal new covenant has done for you and what life is like with him. You know, a lot of ministry that focuses on the new covenant is focused on the quality of life that you can have as a result of the new covenant, in other words, you know, healing and blessing and prosperity, I, I'm all for that stuff. I, praise God for that kind of stuff. But I want you to walk in peace. I want you to not just be externally blessed so that you can be a blessing in the world. I want you to not struggle with those old ways and patterns. I want you to be able to confidently stand in, confidently stand in front of someone. And when you're presenting the gospel to them, you're speaking from experience but you know that you know that you know that there is a peace with him that nothing can take away. Yeah, by the way, all of these other aspects of salvation that are available, praise God for that kind of stuff. I mean, it's really good news to somebody who's been given a terminal diagnosis to experience healing of the power of the Spirit. Praise God for that. But how, was, how did Jesus respond to that? He's like, yeah, yeah, praise God, awesome. Demons are being cast out, but what you really should be excited about is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to live so thankful of that, that any expression of the power of the Spirit beyond that 
it's just, it just happens. It's, it's, it's in the shadow as you pass by to tell people about how good God is. Are you with me? Like Peter just walked. He was on his way to reason the gospel and just people just getting healed. Praise God for that. So let's just look a little bit about what that is in, in, in the context from which we minister. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians 3. I had posted, so if you're, if you're on Facebook, a lot of people are watching on YouTube because they're not on Facebook, and I don't blame you. I wouldn't be either if it wasn't a platform for ministry, especially with all this stuff going on, and Facebook is... Whew. I'm just going to keep going here. Gonna... This is the environment that we minister out of. This is the mindset that we minister out of, ministering out of the power of the Spirit toward people. Um, all of Second Corinthians, oh, that's what I was going to say. We have a Facebook group that, you know, discipleship happens throughout the week in there, and, and I kind of add to the message either homework or additional resources. If you're interested, you can jump in that group and partake of those watch and listen to any other articles that we post or whatever. I posted a Bible project video that gives an overview of 2 Corinthians just to kind of prep for the mindset. If you didn't watch that, go back and watch that this week, the Bible project overview of 2 Corinthians and read through 2 Corinthians. And, and I think that's, you know, some God's, God will do a work in your heart this week as you study through the book of 2 Corinthians. There's only 13 chapters in there. You can read a couple chapters a day or read the whole book every day, however it works for you, or listen to it. Courtney told me he's got 750 listening hours on the Dwell app. I think he wins. <laughs> Dwell is a Bible app that's got a bunch of different features. It's super cool. Um, so, all right, read. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. You are, so they were challenging Paul in his credentials and basically what Paul is saying here is, you are my credential. <laughs> I started this church. What are you talking about? You guys wouldn't even be here if it weren't for me. No, he didn't say it that way, but that's kind of what he's, 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 he's referencing. I started this church, and the fact that you're sitting here believing, serving in a church, shows that that's my credential. I've been here before. So, but he said it probably a lot more kindly than that. You are, you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Uh, clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being for our, from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Because a lot of us are sitting on our gifts. A lot of us are not taking steps in our calling because we don't feel qualified. We don't feel like we're there. We don't feel like we're ready. Or we feel like we need to get this thing right in our lives before we actually step out in it. Well, your confidence is in you. But when you know, I'm a mess, but the good news needs to be preached, and I'm going to go do it no matter what, your confidence is in Him. Don't wait. Quit waiting. However small the step might be, step into whatever that calling of God is on your life. And if you don't know what it is, call me. <laughs> not that I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit for you. 
but I will sit with you and talk with you and ask you some questions and pray with you and help you formulate a plan to start moving in that direction. I love to do that. I will help you follow God so that you follow God. Say, follow God. Follow God. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, let's keep going. So, who also made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant. You are the minister of the new covenant. Well, you got to preach the whole counsel of the word, brother. You know how many times I've heard that? What do you think I'm preaching? Sorry, I'm having an internal dialogue with... Uh, Minister of the new, not the letter of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, those are pretty strong words for the letter of the law, the ministry of death. How, how is it the ministry of death? Because the law kills. The law condemns. The law shows you, you deserve death and separation from God. If you read the Old Testament and you feel like, man... I can't do this. I'm condemned. I wonder if I'm even saved. Good job. You're taking it seriously. That's what it's supposed to do. When you read the law, even some of Jesus' teachings, when you read it from the perspective of external obedience and works righteousness, it should produce condemnation. I, I can't do this. And that's what they finally said to Jesus. They, he was, they were like, well, then who then can be saved? And he's like, now you get it. You know, all that whole Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, all those impossible things to keep. And if you sin, cut your hand off, cut your eyes out. Raise your right hand. Has any of you cut your hand off because you sin too much? Everybody got two eyes? They might not work that well, but you got two of them. Why, why haven't you cut your hand off? Because deep down you know that he's provoking you to trust him. Amen? That's really kind of a whole other teaching, but... So the law shows you you should be condemned. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? You walk in the ministry of the Spirit. You are experiencing the ministry of the Spirit to walk in the ministry of the Spirit. Amen? When you walk out of here today, I want that in your mind and in your heart. I walk in the ministry of the Spirit, not just for miracles, but to bring life, to bring peace, to help people experience restoration with God, reconciliation with Him, wholeness in Him, and the other stuff too. Not minimizing it, but prioritizing Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness. Say, I have the ministry of the Spirit. I have the ministry of righteousness. I have the ministry of reconciliation. That's your responsibility. That's your job. For if the spirit of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, and back then the old covenant was still passing away, there was like an overlap period. Uh, what remains is much more glorious, and what remains is the new covenant of which you are a minister. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, 
so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. And we still have a lot of people that read the Old Testament, Christians with that veil, not knowing the newness of the new covenant, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Last verse and then one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 13, 15. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. I see us going around and lifting the veil so people can see the sufficiency of Christ. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And then we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. And not just realities about you, but the Spirit in which you minister. Y'all good? I know it's a little bit long, but it's good stuff. Say it's good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, I appreciate that. That was really nice of you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? If you're not in Christ, we'll give you that opportunity today. You can say yes to him, just like four-and-a-half-year-old Lukey did. She's gone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the work that's finished. The path to God is is finished. It's clear, and there's only one way. It's in Christ. But there are no obstructions other than a yielded heart to say yes. Amen? There's not a law to perform to get there. There's not a door to go through, a veil to lift. There's nothing other than to look at Christ and say yes. And then it engages the rest of what he says for ministry perspective. Um, not, so now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ. So he's, he's describing what constitutes the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the message that you are to go preach. He defines what the ministry of reconciliation is. This is it. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to him for God so loved the world. That he gave. Uh, you know, when we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. God moves first, love goes first, and then we love him because he first loved us. The church is not moving toward the world in this way. We're moving mostly toward the world with the letter of the law rather than the newness of spirit. Has given us the ministry of that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God reconciled the world to himself. In other words, he did all the work needed for you to have reconciliation. The invitation now is since God reconciled us to him, we must reconcile ourselves to him. And you do that one, one way only, by faith. 
you say yes to what he's done. It's really very simple. I mean, it's not that complicated. And if you've been to church, you've heard that. It's just not the major focus of what gets built over and over and over in a lot of churches. I don't know why. And I'm not trying to say we have it all figured out we're the best one. I'm just preaching what I feel like I'm called to preach. But the world needs to hear this. I mean, the world, I grew, I grew up in this community, didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I never heard the gospel. I went to church maybe a dozen times before I was 21, so maybe had we gone to church, I might have heard it, but like nobody told me. I, you know, it was just kind of, I'd gotten to the point where I didn't even believe anymore, you know, I was like this multiverse of madness believer that we just were, I don't know, I had weird beliefs, but... But I heard the gospel, and it instantly changed my life. People haven't heard the gospel. They haven't heard the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ. They haven't heard the good news that God... What he's saying here is go into the world and preach this. God is not holding your sin against you. That's what he said. This is what Jesus was doing, going in and announcing uh, that God's not holding not imputing your trespasses to you. He's not holding your sin against you. Now, if you're legalistic and in your heart you haven't really experienced transformation and you think that if you really believe this freedom, you're going to run out and sin and it's dangerous to tell people that God's not holding their sin against them because that gives a license to sin, then you need to grow up. You need to leave the realm of pharisaical theology and enter the spiritual realm of believing in the power of the gospel. That was good. <laughs> because it's the power of the gospel that changes people, not the letter of the law. The letter of the law condemns. We walk in the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors fully equipped with the full stamp of approval from our citizenship of heaven to go into the world to represent a covenant that people can enter into. The Spirit of God is pleading with people through you to be reconciled to Him. You ever go anywhere and you just feel like, ah, oh, just my heart breaks for that person? Give them the gospel. So what is he saying? If he's pleading through you, God is not holding your sin against you. Righteousness is not by works, but by faith in the finished work of Christ. And one that I like is God is not mad at you. It gets people's attention. God's not mad at you. We, we had a sign on the church that I was a part of in Huntsville, and it said, God's not mad at you, dot, 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 no matter what. Man, I'm telling you, religious devils hate that one. In fact, my phone, somehow I was the pastor that would field certain phone calls, and I, I'm no joke, I came in one day, and there was a voicemail on my phone. That was back when we actually had phones that you'd push buttons on, you know. But, and it was this drunk guy, man, and he was lit, and it was obvious he was when he was on the phone. I'm telling you, I'm just with the sign. God is mad at me. I know he's mad. And he, he was so drunk, but yet trying to convince me how God was mad at him. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wish I could just 
see you face to face and give you the gospel. Can you imagine that? He's calling me drunk as can be to tell me how God is mad. I don't know. It just was, I wish I would have saved that voicemail back then. But that, but, and he was probably drunk because he believed that God was mad at him. What does the law do? It strengthens sin. It reveals sin. Don't do that. I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I love Andrew Womack's got this story. Any Andrew Womack friend, fans in here? I love, I love that guy. He's got this story. He's like, just as a test, he was in this playground with these kids, and he just off the cuff, he goes, see that flower? All these little kids out there, whatever you do, don't spit on that flower. And they leave, and then they come back, and they watch, and all those kids are spitting on that flower. <laughs> they weren't even thinking about that flower. The speed limit sign. This is how fast you can go. Well, then you determine in your mind how much you can break the law. That's 55, I'm going 72. What are you, nine over? How many are nine over? Seven over? You bunch of lawbreakers, you. That must, that must be a good small group discussion question right there. Jim, did you hear that? It's like... That was, that was awesome. <laughs> I, you know, we've got to make it personal, but we have to take responsibility for our commission. If you don't like this one, come up with something. I suspect that you're sitting in this church because you want to hear the gospel. You value the finished work. You want to be at a place that's going to lift you up and speak to who you are in spirit. But there are a lot of people out there that don't know this. Well-meaning, God-fearing, dedicated, committed Christians that might do more works, good works, than we ever imagined doing. You know what I mean? Sincere people, but they are just carrying around this guilt and shame because they don't know what Jesus has done for them. And a lot of people have rejected Christianity because of how God was represented to them. You know, the field is ripe for the harvest. And the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is what we lead with. And inundate your mind and your heart with the finished work of Jesus so that you can move toward the world, not in condemnation, but humility, lovingly, Showing people the love of God and how you treat them. Especially those people who don't deserve it. <laughs> That's who my heart breaks for. People that think they got it worked out, eh, it's fine. I'll see you in heaven. I want this guy. I want to talk to this guy. This guy's tormented over here because he knows that there's a God, but he just doesn't know the kind of relationship that he could have with him. Bring those people to me. You have the ministry of the Spirit, you have the ministry of righteousness, and you have the ministry of reconciliation. Spirit, righteousness, reconciliation. When you go out of these doors today and as you pray this week that God would use you, that God would lead people across your path or lead you across their path to minister to them, to be an agent of the ministry of reconciliation, helping them know 
be aware of those things. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be able to explain. You don't have to memorize all the books of the Bible in order and know an overview of every single book. I mean, you know, that's awesome if you can do that. But can you love? Because that's what the world needs. Amen? Let's stand up on our feet. And I want you to think about that for a minute. Just even say this to yourself. I have the ministry of the Spirit. Now, when you say this, if you look up here at me for just a minute, say it from here, if that makes sense to you. If that doesn't make sense to you, that's all right. But say it from here. I have the ministry of the Spirit. I have the ministry of righteousness. And I have the ministry of reconciliation. I will go into the world and tell people, God is not holding your sin against you. It's safe to come to him because he loves you and Jesus finished the work to be accepted by him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing in people's lives. We thank you for the opportunity to be carriers of your spirit, of your presence, of your kingdom, to be ambassadors announcing the good news of what Christ has accomplished. No matter the state of the world, we don't have to try to figure out the calendars and the feasts and when the rapture is going to happen and who's pulling the levers behind the curtain and what's really going on in the world and what the economy's doing and what the bankers are doing and what Facebook knows about us and what's happening here. I don't care what's really going on in the world. I want to move toward the world with a better message, not ignoring those things, not sticking my head in the ground, not living in denial, but with a greater purpose of spreading your gospel. That's why your church exists, to spread the gospel, to show people what you've done through Christ. If you're in this room today or you're watching online and you've never said yes to him like Lukey did just the other day, just say yes. Just say yes to him. And as our prayer team comes forward, if it's your first time making a decision for Christ today, come see one of our prayer team guys and girls. They have a gift for you back here to give you a book and just walk you through some things. If you're watching online, go to our website, forward.church, scroll down at the bottom, and there's an article on there about what Christ did for you. Read through that. Even if you're on here, you're watching online today, and maybe you think you know a little bit about Christianity, go read that article. I encourage you. I think it'll be a blessing to you. So Father, we thank you. We trust you. We take the responsibility to be ambassadors for your kingdom, and we will go toward the world in love, spreading your gospel. Is that your prayer? You agree with that? Amen. Father, I thank you for every person in this room today. I thank you that you're blessing their health. You're blessing their finances. You're blessing their families. You're giving them strength. You're giving them wisdom. And you're revealing clearly to them what their call is in your kingdom. And Father, I thank you for the grace that is coming alive within each person's heart to take steps, to just take one step at a time, no matter how slow, but to keep moving forward to follow you and not give up and not go backward, but to just keep taking those little steps. Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.